0: Greetings, Spider-Friends, and welcome to another episode of The Secret Origins of Mint Condition. I am your host, James, and joining me is Joe.
1: Hey, neighborhood fans, how you doing?
0: And Chris. Hey, True Believers. And if you've looked at what we're talking about today, then for the purposes of this show, all three of us are Spider-Men of any universe we want to be from. So, um... We're talking about uh, across the spider verse which uh, as you know we record these episodes and air them out of order so we are recording this on the heels of the back of the store chat where Chris gave us his uh his spoiler free review of into of across the spider verse and it got. Joe and I, uh, you know, our, our minds reeling and we went out and rented, uh, this movie and saw it and, uh, we are going to talk about it now. I, I don't even know where to start because Chris, you, you gave us such a big, uh, introduction to it in our last back of the store chat. Why don't I just kick it off as, as from my artistic view saying that Chris was a hundred percent, right. This is a artistic Marvel. It's amazing that they were able to do, uh, hand-drawn and cgi and and watercolor and and live action and put it all together and some of those elements existing all together on screen in the same scene and it and it works amazingly well if if not flawlessly well i i just i can't say enough about the the graphic eye and creative mind to know what styles to use specifically. I, I personally got a kick out of the fact that Ben Riley, Scarlet Spider, one of my favorite Spider Men, was drawn the way that my, uh, Mark Bagley drew him from the Clone yeah. Saga, was fantastic. So um, I, I just can't uh, wrap my ra- mind around it. it did it did blew my mind, Chris? Like you said, it blew my mind. You were correct. Um, I'm gonna, Joe. I'm just rambling on here. So, Joe, what are your thoughts about the art? Yeah, you saw uh, this movie.
1: Sleeping to mind, it's a trippy, avant-garde film. The look of the film is amazingly fantastic. It's new and familiar at the same time. It's bright, it's dark, it's incredibly kinetic. Uh, even though it's animated, it has this real-world cinematic feel to it. Does that make any sense? <laughs> that's, that's totally, right? I,
2: I think it does, yeah.
1: Okay, thank you, okay. <laughs> and the composition of the shots, This you know, uh, the camera angles, the close-ups, the POV shots... They're just wonderfully cinematic. I, it's, it, I think, it's the type of film that you could turn the sound off and watch it without the the sound, and, and you would know what was going on and still be enthralled by it.
2: Yeah, yeah that's, that's no, I, I I agree with that assessment. I think um, very very cinematic, very intentional. Um, they don't shy away from the from, but I was gonna say they don't shy away from the the hard work. And we know that um, it's it is it's bonkers just how how cinematic. It is. um, And I, I think, you know, if I had to find like a downside of it, it's that like, gosh, there's just there's so much happening that it is. It can be tough sometimes to find moments of visual silence, not even auditory silence, just visual silence, you know.
0: Yeah, it's a. Uh, by the way, spoilers ahead. we this is this is Chris. Chris was nice enough in the back of the store chat not to spoil it. We will be spoiling this, so at the time we will of this, spoil movie,
2: everything.
0: Yes, if you have not seen this, then stop and go and rent it or buy it or whatever you prefer to do. Then come back because uh, we're going to be launching into it. Um, yeah, I agree. I don't think I don't think the animators wasted any screen or any frame of this movie in terms of something they could put in there that either. Was an Easter egg for Spider-Man fans or was something that would um, add to the story or add to the realism of the scene. I mean, I think the quietest scene possible, but it was still doing so much work, was the scene where, um, you know, Gwen hugs her dad and the watercolors go from like deep blue into pink. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but that's like, a, I mean, it's quiet, but there's still a lot being done in just that scene alone. So, yeah, it, it's. Yeah, the storytelling and the use of color in the storytelling, like you just said, Joe, like they use color as a character and, and an element yep, of storyteller. It's, yes. it's fantastic. Yeah,
1: uh, it, it's uh, you know, there are many themes that are, that are brought up in this film, but I think the, the biggest theme is the theme of family and the quiet moments for me. And the, and to me, the, my favorite moments in the film were the, were the scenes with Miles and um, his mom and dad and Gwen and Captain Stacy. Uh, especially that, that the, you know, after the first 20 minutes of the film, where she's, you know, uh, basically he's he's you know he's, a, he's pointing a gun at his own daughter, right? And um, she's just asking him, could you stop being a cop and be my dad for a minute? And then and then she goes with Miguel and um, and Jessica Drew. It's a heartbreaking scene for, for me because she has to leave her dad at that moment. Not only because you know maybe her life is in danger, but because he just doesn't understand her. And it's just, you know, and, and we, children, teenagers, adolescents, we all go through this. We, we we struggle with why our parents don't understand us, and it's these, and we see that later on with on the rooftop uh, at um, uh, Jeff's birthday party, uh, when finally um, uh, Miles shows up with the ruined cakes, <laughs> and uh, it's these 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 moments in the film with family are 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 uh, there, it it just speaks to the realism uh, of, of what, you know, they're trying to get across here. That we, Everybody's lived through this, whether you're a superhero or not. We've all yeah. lived through these moments.
2: Sure. No, and I, I, I'm i glad you mentioned the whole, you know, when Gwen at the beginning of the movie says, Dad, can you can you just stop being a cop for a minute and be my dad instead? And that's like, that's exactly what he does at the end of the movie, right? Yes. Like she asks him to stop being a cop and just be her dad. And she just meant in that moment, right? But like, he makes the permanent decision, yeah, that this is what he if he has to choose between being a cop and being her dad, he picks her dad.
1: Yeah, he makes the right That's,
2: choice. Yeah, not no, only I, for her,
1: not only for her, but for him. Yeah, this is important for him. Is it most for her? Yeah. I yeah. No, I, I I agree.
2: There is there's there's so much about family. I love that we get to see more of Rio. I like that the the most interaction we see between Miles and and Jeff, his dad, is as Spider Man. Like, I like that we get to see a little bit of, like, how their relationship has progressed in, the like, what, like, a year and several months since the mm-hmm. last movie. That, like, you know, at some point, Jeff's like, this is why they don't like us, man. This is why nobody likes us. <laughs> yeah. Them yeah. talking, they're developing this sort of relationship, and it makes me... It's I, it's obviously not the same, but I like that there's this sort of... This this now uneasy alliance between them. It's almost, like, reflective of... Uh, of a Batman Jim Gordon kind of situation mm-hmm. that Good we're starting. Story. It is like, he's talking about his kid and miles is asking about his kid. Yeah. And of course he's like personally invested in this, but like, but Jeff actually does trust him with some of it. And they have these, these moments together. Right. Which by the way, can I just say one of my favorite parts of the movie is when Jeff is going to jump into the hole and he goes down the stairs, just like miles did in the first movie.
0: <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I got to rewatch the first film again now. Uh, yeah the
0: the interaction between miles mom and dad is like it's it's humorous but it really shows what a tight-knit family they are it's it's really like it's the writing is just the back and forth and the dialogue especially in that first scene with the with the guidance counselor and yeah you know and it's the first time miles also like kind of puts what he wants to do out there and Mm -hmm. you know and as much as uh his parents support him, like being smart and moving forward. They're also afraid of him leaving, like their safe little neighborhood, and going out.
2: Yeah, I love that. New Jersey is too far from New York. <laughs> yeah, you know,
1: right. The, and and in that scene where they're discussing the the, uh, the counselor and, and the two parents and Miles, he says, "I want uh, what schools do you want to go to again? Is it MIT?" No,
2: no, no. It's um, Princeton.
1: Princeton. Okay, Princeton because it's New Jersey, right? MIT. But he says something that's like you know it, to me it really. It was so refreshing to hear because he's not the young character know-it-all. He says there are people at that school who can teach me things I need to know. And I, I just that just stuck with, it stuck, stuck with me. And I, I love that. I love that, that about his character. I'm, I'm so happy that the writers put that in because, you know, James and I, and, you know, James, we've spoken about this in Chris, but sometimes with these newer characters, they come fully grown, they you know, on the page, so to speak. And we're, supposed to, we're, supposed to, we're told, okay, they're the greatest thing since sliced bread. But we see the maturation of Miles from the first movie into this film. And we see him sitting there in that awkward moment with his parents and his counselor. And yeah, he's hes becoming his own man. He wants to stand up and, and do what he wants to do with his life. And he admits, I don't have all the answers. Because there are people that, who can teach me what I need to know. And I thought that was a beautiful moment and a great thing coming yeah. out know, coming from it.
2: Yeah. No, I, I do. I I. I... You know, this is where I, why I came down on because I was talking to Christina about this uh, yesterday. I think it was last night. I was talking to her about this um, that I really firmly believe this is the best superhero movie that's been made. And she's like, "That's that's a really that's a really heavy endorsement." And I was like, "Yeah, but like when I think about it, when I think about other movies, you know, I can usually find a weakness, whether it's you know the score or some of the dialogue or like a little plot device or." whatever it might be. Um, and it's funny too, because in, in conjunction with that, I was talking to a very good friend of mine, Andrea, and I was saying that like, she was talking to me about the Marvel's trailer. And I, I as, as excited as I still am for the Marvel's, I hate that apparently the centerpiece of the trailer, not the teaser, which was amazing. Trailer is this, like this villain saying, you know, you took everything from me. And I'm like, I'm really tired of that, yeah. that particular line coming from a villain. we do, get that in this movie but it's not the centerpiece right yeah. like it's not it doesn't take center stage the movie stands on its own so like even all the dialogue and the story of this movie all really works together and like there's the the family but but that's not the only thing happening i love the the amount of redirection like it's it's so by the time we get to the end of the movie it's easy to sort of forget like that that You know, Miles does have a sort of arch nemesis here because he's so busy dealing with other stuff. It's easy to forget like, oh, yeah, no, this this a lot. All of this comes from the spot. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, So I just I think all around, like we talked about the visuals. And of course, those are the most stunning. But like all the moments we're talking about, all the scripted stuff, like they don't even you're right. The animators did not miss an opportunity to to take an opportunity. Right. Like, I mean, all the way down to, um, you know, all the different spider people, the fact that there was like a spider T Rex, and when it uses its web shooter, it doesn't say thwip, it says T whip.
1: T whip. Yeah. I missed like, that. It's,
2: <laughs> yeah. And that's just it. Like, there's so much in there. And somehow, they still managed to keep it coherent, right? Like, it all comes, it all still comes together. We still get to know more about these spider people. I didn't feel like anybody was. You know, when I saw um, *Wakanda Forever*, um, I was I was most excited about Ironheart, and I didn't I didn't love what they did with her because she she was so ancillary. And um, in this movie, I don't I don't get that feeling from like anybody. I think everybody gets the amount of screen time that they they need to get without necessarily upsetting. Like this is still Miles' story, mm-hmm. but we get to see so much of Gwen, and we get to learn more about. Um, I can't remember his, I can't pronounce his full name, but Pav, the the Indian Spider-Man. That's I Um, I know him as Pav. Spider-Punk is great. We get to know enough about him. Like everybody, Miguel, like Spider-Woman, we get get so much from everybody without a feeling like anybody is taking over the story. This is all still centered around Miles. It's really, to me, it's just fabulous the way that this is all orchestrated. That's how I see it. I see this entire movie, this entire um story as an orchestration and uh i think i think a perfectly brilliant one at that i was what, actually what, like oh sorry Charlie,
1: didn't mean i mean we're you. 20 minutes into the film before we even see miles right because we're getting yeah. Gwen, oh, we're getting oh, Gwen well, style, yeah. yeah yeah which
2: is yeah. kind of fun because i like i like we because uh, we do see miles right but we see him through gwen's eyes yeah, exactly. like we see him like you see his reflection in the subway when she's thinking about him and missing him
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah yeah I mean, arguably, I was just watching a few YouTube videos after I saw this. It could be said that, like, this might be Gwen's movie, and it's just actually her recapping the whole thing to lead up to the final scene where she's going to, she put a team together to go rescue Miles. Mm-hmm. So it's possible we're watching a whole movie that's really from Gwen's point of view, and that Miles is the is the crux or the impetus for what's happening in the movie. So I thought it was, like, an interesting interpretation of, like,
1: Oh, how man, no, I can see that. I mean, you can you can make that case, sure, sure you can. You know, that's and really. I also
0: found it like um, interesting. This is a movie about, um, you know, it's called it's Spider Man's Across the Spider Verse, and while we have Peter B. B. Parker, there isn't um, a main character, a main Spider Man who is traditional Spider Man, which I thought yeah. was refreshing. They really leaned into all the different Spider Men to the point where normal Spider Man is not even a main character. He's just right. like he's the backdrop for all of this that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's, I, I was like, wow, that's it's very impressive. You know, like I don't think we see like a traditional Spider Man. Like on screen longer than a few seconds,
2: yeah. And the ones and the ones that we do say, I enjoy that. Like you know, old cartoon Spider-Man. I can do anything he can. Yeah. Oh, I pulled yeah, something, yeah. right? <laughs> and um, I love that we get to see uh, Scarlet Spider um, in there. You know, calling on. They're trying to. Hey Ben, I need you for something. Not now. And We're <laughs> calling a particularly painful memory. Yeah. Oh, like I don't know. It
0: was it was all really well done. <laughs> No, especially. I mean, I've read the Clone Saga, and I'm I'm one of the few people who likes the Clone Saga. Um, you are. <laughs> I, I, I I mean, I actually never finished it. But to be fair, they never finished it either. So um, <laughs> no, they,
1: they were about to go bankrupt in uh, Marvel at that time. Uh, yeah, partly because of that storyline.
0: Yeah. To be, to be fair, they never came up with an ending and didn't know where they were going. So where it ended is kind of where they just that was the last issue, and then they went bankrupt almost. So, um, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I, uh, I I was it was and chris i just wanted to like there's so many points to make so i'm just trying to get my thoughts back into yeah right yeah now. yeah but do everything you said before joe you said before like the spot i forgot about the spot at the end because the spot and again spoilers the spot seemed like just a device to get to what the real problem was and the real problem was that miles wants to break canon which i thought was the a fantastic plot point because i was yeah. texting with our friend josh murray um who has not seen this? Uh, no, who saw this movie? And uh, we were just messaging, you know, messaging back and forth about how everything about comic books and pop culture is—is is it in canon or is it not in canon? And this right. movie, like that's that's the that's the real plot point—is canon? Like, can mm-hmm. you break canon? And Chris, to your point, th- there, Miles wants to break canon in the way for Spider-Man. Like, does he need tragedy to happen to him for him to be Spider-Man? <laughs> Well, and
2: also at, what, at what, what kind of tragedy do you need, right? Because what he has, what he's now learned is that somebody has died because of him. Mm-hmm. Peter Parker died because, you know, that's what Miguel reveals to him, right? right? Is that like that your Spider-Man never would have died. The spot never would have been created. Like none of this would have happened if you hadn't been bitten by the spider. So like, is that not tragic enough? Does it have to be... Does it have to be his dad? Does it have to be Gwen? Right, like uh, the same with the same with um some of the other spiders. and we and we sort of get to see some of that, right? Like Pav seems like a great Spider-Man, but also he hasn't had that tragic, defining act yet. So, like, what kind of Spider person does he become without it? Because, like, even it's it's also one of my favorite moments is when, after the spot disappears into the collider, Pav goes, well, another easy adventure for Spider-Man. They're like, no, 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 (laughs) no. Yeah, Um, right over his head. (laughs) Right. Like, he doesn't, he's only been Spider-Man for six months. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't know. But you're right, James. Like, does he need tragedy to be Spider-Man? And if so, what kind of tragedy does he have to experience?
0: Correct, yeah. Like, how big a failure... I mean, because I think think a hero needs challenges and failures to probably shape them into a wiser hero. I mean, even Batman. We saw Batman year one. He had his, like, falling off a rooftop or, you know, like, getting knocked... almost getting knocked over with the TV that he was trying to prevent the guy from seeing... Like, you know, Batman's had his mishaps, but that, you know, Batman's... I mean, obviously, Batman had the huge strategy of losing his parents, but, like, does a Spider-Man need a death of someone close to them to become Spider-Man or do they just need to learn lessons from their failures and grow from that? It's, it's well, a very that's, interesting question it, that is,
2: you know, that's, I think that's one of the mm-hmm. things that we, we see also just in general as humans, because, um, you know, to be human, if, if you're human pain is inevitable, but all of that loss, you know, Stephen Colbert talks about this. He talked about it, um, after, uh, I think it was, it was just, uh, losing his dad so early, and he's like, I'm either a Catholic or a Buddhist. He's like, I, I firmly believe that you know, um, that pain and loss are gifts. Everything you get when you're alive is a gift because being alive is a gift. And so, you don't have to want the thing to happen, but you. He's like, but I think you need to be grateful for it. And um, and I I don't necessarily entirely agree with with the whole gratitude thing, but I do agree with what he says about how that kind of loss is what makes us more human that connects us with our fellow humans that connects us with the greater uh, humanity. Um, it makes it more likely that I'm going to be able to listen to what you're sharing with me mm-hmm. and being able to say that sucks or, in, or, or joining you in that dark place, instead of trying to make things better, instead of trying to find the silver lining. Like it's, it's, we see that in the movie. Um, um, what thing, uh, uh is it what things may come
0: what dream what dreams what may dreams come.
2: thank you what right because the other quote yeah what dreams may come when robin williams you know finally gives up trying to save his wife from hell and joins her there and later on she says sometimes when you lose you win right and then because he earlier had said sometimes when you win you lose and um and i think that's so i think that you're right i think it's not just for superheroes i think for people too like that those experiences of pain and loss arguably bring us closer to the rest of humanity depending on how we we respond to it but there is something really as miles says messed up about facilitating that happening with the plan that like you're gonna you you need this to become spider-man this is what you signed up for right
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i mean it's it's one thing to have it when the universe just that's the way the universe plays out it's another thing that they're dealing with where you're Aware of it and letting it happen or even orchestrating it as a as a plot point and canon of a Spider-Man's life.
1: Yeah, well, uh, Chris just said about how, you know, loss can connect with the rest of humanity. I mean, if we just go back to OG Spider-Man, Peter Parker, his greatest loss is after Uncle Ben is is Gwen. Right. And what happens after that? He finds Mary Jane. Well, they find each other, actually. So he then finds the love of his life. So whether it be in comic books or reality Loss and pain are just part of being human, and, and uh, it's not the whole silver, like you said, because it's not the silver lining and finding the silver lining in the cloud. But it's finding a path that you may not know that you're were, you were about, you, were, you were even uh, destined to take, and it leads you someplace else. That's what you know. Uh, what's happening in this film, and, and 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 as you just said, James, orchestrated orchestrating the, the, the tragedy. I mean, this is what what Miles is pushing back against. And that, to me, is very refreshing to see that in a, in, a, in a CBM, in a superhero film. Not, you know, not saying, you know, okay, I'm going to, I mean, all the other spider people accepted their tragedy, right? But Miles won't do that because he, he needs that connection to his parents and to, and to the real world. So it's very, well, very, Yeah,
2: no, you're absolutely right, Joe. And incidentally, um, even though that wasn't what he was trying to do, Miles, as, as Gwen learns, miles proves that
0: you can actually change canon events yep Mm -hmm. yeah 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 and he also like that's a big moment for for miles because like being there with all the different spider people was his like dream and his wand Mm -hmm. from the beginning of the movie and when he realizes what they're doing he's he's the one out of let's say what a thousand spider people there He's the only one, conservatively, who's like willing, yeah. yeah, yeah, willing to like say this is wrong, like, and and it seems like he's the only person willing to speak of like you don't think that this is this is yeah. a good idea to have, to willingly let people in your life die because hell, like they an, incarcerated an event? him, right?
1: Yeah, they incarcerated yeah. him at one point. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, like they think they they all agreed or or unwilling to speak up about the fact, like, yeah, I guess we're going to watch each other's loved ones die just because, like, you know, a relative becomes a captain or my uncle has to die or my, my first girlfriend has to die. Like they're all willing to stand back. And Miles is the only one pushing back and giving up sort of his place in this, in this, in the place he wanted to be since the beginning of the movie.
1: Mm.
2: Yeah, no. And that's, and that's one of the reasons I find it so interesting that like some of the team comes around to like save miles, but, um, but it's, but it's Hobie who knows this is messed up and he's, and he warns, he warns miles, be careful of what you're, be careful what you're joining. Right. Mm-hmm. Which leads us to ask sort of like, what was my, what was Hobie doing here? Like, I want to know why Hobie is there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I really, yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with all that.
0: Yeah. I mean, Hobie interesting, is interesting character. I mean, I, yeah, I'm curious like why he was there also, if he didn't agree with it. I mean, it seemed like he, I guess he was putting, like he's putting up the front that he's just a, an anarchist and and, oh, doesn't totally. pay, and doesn't care, but I don't know if that's his real fully motivation for being
2: there. Well, and or, I think I think there's an element too of not just that like he's like he, that he doesn't care, trying to put up a front kind of thing. I think some of it is that like because I also maybe he's trying to take them down from the inside. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think that's definitely a possibility. I think there is there's something to be said for like maybe he joined them when he was younger. He he is an anarchist, but like you know, they took advantage of an opportunity to go, this guy's in pain, we could use his help, let's bring him on board. I don't know, I don't know, there are a lot of a lot of different
0: ways I feel like that could go.
1: Yeah, yeah that story hasn't been fully told yet. I don't think, yeah. yes
0: And either, and also, you know, if you look at Miguel's, Miguel's reason for why you can't undo canon events, you know, he took it to the extreme, though. I mean, he took it to the extreme of assuming another Miguel's life, instead yeah. of, like, like, he couldn't, like, he couldn't he couldn't just allow a reality where his family was alive and not be a part of it. He chose to be a part of it, which is going like way above, like, you know, instead of just preventing an event, he inserted himself into an event. So yeah. like his whole reasoning for why you can't break canon events is sort of flawed to begin with, because he took it to the extreme. And that's why extreme things happened.
1: Sure. So, yeah. yeah. he He's a character that you've seen films who um, loses touch with reality at some point because the mission consumes him. So much, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, but like you said, James, he he literally <laughs> he he he's a, he's a he's a he orchestrated these events, and uh, it's it's kind of uh, interesting to see you know watch his pain unfold, and yet a lot of it was brought on he brought it on himself. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, I do appreciate like I guess the only like the only villain. Re- I mean, Miguel is cast as the villain, but he's yeah. also a damaged Spider-Man. Yes. Um, Spot is, I guess, Spot and... Well, we don't even know. I mean, is I guess we'll see in the next movie, but the Prowler we meet at the end, like, again, oh, spoilers, people. Spoilers. Yeah. That blew my mind. Is is <laughs> is, that, is that Miles Prowler evil, or is that Miles Prowler, like, an anti, anti-hero? I don't know. What no, no, think. I,
2: think he's, I think he's a bad guy. I do. I think he's a bad guy. I think there's going to be a lot that needs to be... This is why, like, I know that they, at the end of the movie, it says, you know, it'll return next year, and it's like, there's no way. This is going to this is going to be another five years, but I don't mind waiting because there's so much that they've done masterfully so far. I don't want them to stumble here. Um, no, I think Miles is a bad guy. I think, you know, I think his dad died. I think that was that was the Prowler's canon event because I think canon events work both ways.
1: Mm-hmm. Good point.
2: So I do. I think he's a bad guy. I think, you know, spot is complicated. Um, I don't, you know, I don't think Miguel is a bad guy. I think Miguel is just a by the numbers guy. You know, it's something that I run into a lot with, um, and, and it's, this is not the only field in which it happens, but I run into this a lot with like social work, which is, uh, and I talked to Christina a lot about it because she runs into it as a physician, which is that you have people reading data who make decisions like on a large scale, like legislative and funding scales, and all they're doing is reading the numbers mm. They don't see the bigger picture they don't understand the context and when you read numbers without context you you get problems right you know it's it's so i think we see that on a pretty on a pretty regular basis of you're reading numbers like con- oh you know a really good example is everybody talking about how uh towards the end of the pandemic like wow netflix is in a lot of trouble look at their numbers dropping it's like context your, your argument that they're doomed because they're not getting new subscribers, there are only so many people in the world. At some point, you saturate the market, and there are no more people to bring in. And you're losing people because of outside factors like, you know, the end of the pandemic. At this point, people are getting back to their lives. They're doing other stuff. And a lot of people got rid of Netflix. So, like, if you look strictly at the numbers, it looks like Netflix is going to bomb and nobody knows why context matters. And I think that's what we see with Miguel is that Miguel is not a villain, but he, there are two things about him. One, he's only looking at the numbers. He's like, who you're going to save one life versus an entire universe, which like, yeah, there's something to be said for that, but also context is a thing. Um, and the other thing too, is I think he embodies, and I think he embodies this really, really well, that thin blue line mentality of, we are the only thing standing between order and chaos. And when people believe they are the only ones standing between order and chaos, that that it all comes down to them, inevitably, authoritarian measures are going to be taken. And that's what we see with Miguel. Miguel says, I'm the only one who's holding it all together, Mm -hmm. which is rich coming from a guy who's leading a team of like a thousand spider people, right? He's not doing this. alone. He's not the only one holding all this together. But as long as I'm willing to believe that I'm the only one holding it together, why would I trust anyone's judgment but my own and that makes me someone in a position of power very dangerous. Yeah,
0: I agree. Which is and it goes back to my point like I guess for for good or for ill, he's got the buy-in of all these Spider-Man. Like or you know, all these spider people that bought into his into his That's way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, I think
2: because I think his logic is so appealing, right? It's the difference between saving one life and saving an entire universe. Like, who stops to do that kind of math? Plus, you know, I don't know the circumstances of when he got to the other Spider People, but like, he got to, he didn't get to Miles until before the loss. So maybe Miles agrees after the loss. Like, because Peter B. Parker says, we wouldn't, without Uncle Ben, you know, most of us wouldn't be here. Yeah. And the the good that we did wouldn't have happened. So, like, It's easy to convince somebody after the thing happened that this defines you. But it's interesting because it's not necessarily the thing that defines you. It's just something we latch on to, right? Like, I liked JMS's run-on Amazing Spider-Man because he introduces the possibility that, like, what if that spider was going to bite you anyway? Mm. Right? Maybe it it wasn't just pure accident. It wasn't just radiation. Like, you've tapped into something that's mystical, not scientific. Um, And it kind of blows Peter's mind, right? And some of that is, like, some hyperbolic writing. I I know it's a little, it's a little much. Um, I really like it, but I know it's a little much, but it's this idea that like, I always thought this, I always thought a, and it turns out it was B all along. And that's, that blows your mind. So I think, I think Miguel's uh, logic is very appealing to people who've already suffered the loss. And so anticipate that in order to become Spider-Man, other people also have to suffer the loss. Like we even see that in today's society, right? Like, you know, I would like to see student loan forgiveness. And then other people say, well, I had to pay off my student loans. You should have to pay off yours. Well, why, why do you take that attitude? Just because people used to die of preventable diseases. Why should people now have to die of those same preventable diseases? Well, I think it's
0: like, (laughs) no, no, I was going to say, I think what you kind of landed on in addition to that though, was like when Miguel says it's one person against the world, you know, for good or for ill, um, that plays right into a Spider-Man's persona, doesn't it? Though, like, I am, I am willing to sacrifice myself to and uh, be unhappy, you know, as much as we debate this point, to to make other people happy. So he, he probably got that buy-in from that because if if all spider man have like a similar personality trait, that's probably it. Like, I'm willing to put my happiness on hold for other people to be happy. So. If it's one person in a spider, you know, in a spider person's life, then against, like, all the millions of people in on, on any world, um, then I guess I'm willing to do it. So, you know, to your point, Chris, that's probably his the buy-in he got from the other spider people. Sure.
1: Yeah.
2: No, it's, it is it's interesting. And um, there's also this element of, like, you know, Miles still believes that Spider-Man can do both. He says it, right? Spider-Man mm-hmm. always, Peter B. Parker says, not always. But Pav says something earlier when he's trying to save his girlfriend and his girlfriend's father, when he says he's trying to hold up the bus and he says, I can do both. Right. So there's there's an element of hope there. Also, that Miguel is kind of exterminating. Oh, yeah. The idea that I can do both. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, Miguel has not, at least in this this in part one, <laughs> again, spoiler audience. You know, Chris said before, this is a two parter in case you you're not aware. Um, but in part, like he is not Miguel does not give you any hope. Like I don't feel hopeful with with the Miguel no. in charge or or anything that he's, he's there doing to maintain the course. status quo. Right, right. But he's not he's not giving like hope or hopeful. There's no there's, there's Miguel doesn't have any of the joyful aspects that you associate with spider with spider person of any. Yeah, right. Yeah,
2: so Burger says you're the only Spider Man without a sense of humor, which is very funny because he's I know he doesn't mean to be, but he's very funny in that first scene with Gwen.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, when Miles, when uh, when Miguel pops his claws, Miles goes, "Are you even spider? Are you are you even a Spider Man?"
0: Yeah. You're are you, sure, dude? Are you sure you're Spider Man?
1: <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
0: Well, Joe, you can speak to this because I don't even remember the comic book, like Spider Man 2099, I don't even remember if this is like Miguel's personality or not. Or I, I never,
1: I never read, read that book, James. Um, uh, Miguel O'Hara first appears uh, in um, Amazing Spider Man <clears throat> Three Hundred and Sixty Five. And then his first full appearances in Spider-Man 2099. But um, I guess I was in my early stages of denying uh, multiverses back then. I didn't want to get involved in another <laughs> multiverse. But this film, you know, this, I mean, going off track here, and I, I don't even know, you know what the hell, this film blows Doctor Strange and whatever the hell the, the rest of that title of that movie was out of the water as a multiverse film. This is what they should have they done this with that film. This I like. Was, that,
2: I like that it even takes a dig at this film. It does. that when it's like Doctor Strange and that little nerd back on Earth nineteen ninety nine nine nine. That's right. <laughs> like Dr. Dr. So right maybe you yeah. shouldn't be practicing medicine.
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, there Would are guess- so many jokes under you know that are, that are just almost under somebody's breath, so to speak. You know, uh, and just like throwaways that uh, uh, just you know it begs a rewatching of this film, of multiple rewatchings of this film.
2: Oh, for it's sure. I've tried to listen to um when they first walk in and they make a joke about finding the spot and Miguel says, does anybody else have a joke about that? And every spider person has a joke. Some of it is put into text. Like
1: <laughs> that's right. Yeah.
2: Um, and for sure, one of my favorite, absolutely. One of my favorite jokes comes from the, the spider woman in the wheelchair who says, I'm a big fan. Do you think spider people use jokes, use comedy as crutch, get it crutch, crutch. And she just kicks him. Like I just, the whole thing kills me. <laughs> I I do. I think all the humor is really good. The interplay between the different spider people is, is very funny. I think this is, you know, I think this is comedy that's on par with, um, with Deadpool. And I think that's also Mm. why comics Deadpool and Spider-Man get along as well as they do and play off of each other is we get to see the different spider people, but you know, somebody pointed out something else that I really like about this movie, which is like, this is one of the few superhero movies where like, an entire scene is dedicated to saving as many people as possible. Yes. Yes. We yes. don't normally get to see that. We normally see them save like one or two people. Like one of the scenes I can think of is Iron Man saving those people out the plane, uh, you Iron- know, in Iron Man three, right. They dedicate an entire scene to him saving uh, like 10 different or 11 different people while that plane. But, um, but usually yeah. some some grander battle and we still get lots of action. But like when they're in Mumbatin and you can see all four spider people like working together, using their webs to like fling each other um, to to save other people. Like I, I just it's super cool to see them work in concert that way.
1: Yeah. That was, you know, James, you, you, I think you saw it. Uh, there's a scene like that early on in The Flash, right, where he has to save the entire maternity wing of the hospitals that's coming down. Yes, so, uh, yes, yes, yes. So one, one of the few scenes in the film I actually liked.
0: Yes, it was actually one of the, out of the whole Snyder universe, it was one of the best Justice League scenes we ever got. With, right. the little, oh, okay, with all of them working well, yeah. together.
2: Yeah. Same <laughs> something.
1: Yeah, same <saying> something Yes, <laughs> Very true. Um, there's a scene at the very beginning um, when we get the introduction that this is, you know, after that 20-minute like, opening with, uh, with, the Gwen's, with Gwen, um, we see, uh, you know, uh, Spider-Man, the hero of Brooklyn, right? And we see, and this, I, you know, this is a little uh, Easter egg for me. I thought because it, we actually see the Myrtle Avenue stop on the BMT J line, and uh, for, for nine years I passed that stop every day on my way into work in Manhattan every day. So I thought that was very cool. They got that, you know, and I, I stopped and went back to make sure that that the, that the, the trains listed on, underneath the, the sign of Myrtle Avenue were the, were the trains that should be there, and the J was there. So I said, "Oh, they got it right. Okay, they didn't, they didn't put like the A or the number four or something like that. They put the J train. They knew it. So attention to detail like that, I just, incredible. Loved
0: it. Well, there's apparently like that um, shucking oysters stand that he passes in one scene is a real stand in New York City. That is, uh, yeah. Yeah, like there's there's like a lot of like um, deeper cuts, aside from like the Spider-Man cuts and, and Marvel Comics cuts, there's like real world cuts in there too. That you Oh, yeah, Definitely. Yeah. freeze frame and it's a reference to um you know different people associated with the movie different names of people who worked on the movie different you know like there's so much that they again not a wasted and not a wasted scene of animation everything mm-hmm. is doing something or referencing something it's um you know i'm surprised they don't have a cut where they just like put on like a dozen like tags in each scene where you can like freeze frame like oh this is all this like this mm-hmm. means all that so i mean i guess that's what youtube's for but
1: yeah <laughs> all these little things you know that they, you know because Brooklyn is a setting in the film, right? It is, it, it is a character in the film. He's the Spider-Man of Brooklyn and um, all these old, all these little touches just texture the movie even more make it more believable and more realistic and just draws you into it even further.
0: You know, this is kind of a tangent thing, but uh, but since like you know we see all of the as Chris point, all these spider people working together in tandem and handling these crises, you know, do you think like a group of spider people could be just as good as the Avengers?
1: Oh yeah, sure. Why not? Especially because not, not, they, uh, uh, you know, we see that um, they don't all have the same power set, right? Miles obviously his powers are growing, and he's becoming even more powerful. So yeah, if you put that many spider people together, they would they could do more than just stick to a wall and shoot webs. I would imagine, and and Spider Man, Spider Men and Women are fa- fairly powerful, on, you oh. know, on their own right. So yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing uh, a spider cadre going up against uh, the the mighty Avengers and see how that how how that um, uh, you know uh, finishes. Yeah, Yeah. who's the last man or woman standing?
0: What do you think, Chris?
2: Yeah, I don't. I, I I do. I like I like seeing the different powers. I like seeing the different abilities. Um, and I like that in this movie, the way that like the style in which they're animated actually does matter. So, for example, like. We find out early that there's something called hammer space. Guys- yes,
0: yes. <laughs>
2: yeah. Like it's super cool, right? This is how, this is how um, Spider-Ham keeps the mallet in his pocket is that he's got hammer space because of the way he's animated. We see it with that vulture when mm-hmm. he like redraw- redraws his arm or his wing after it's been chopped off by Miguel, who then goes, you know, he he has an exclamation and a little explanation of what, what Space is. So we know that that's like part of his power, right? We see um, the way that Spider-Punk is like a collage and the way yep. he's animated, that that gives him some, possibly some different abilities just because the way he's animated influences the way he can behave.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and we see that also with Penny. Uh, and we saw it in the first movie that the way she moves because of her like anime style action she can move faster than like time sort of allows in some situations, like jumping into a robot because that's the animation style. So I think that's another, another sort of neat thing was figuring out, um, you know, how do these different, how do these different animated spider people, like what, what rules are they following when they interact with one another?
1: Exactly.
0: Yes. That's a very good point. Chris. I, I, I didn't even fully catch that, but yeah, each, each style of wherever they come from has its own power set and its own moving style and, and talking. yeah, it's, it's yeah. Again, it just goes to the level of like how, like the metaphysical and physical levels that the animators and people are are thinking on this movie is it's just, it's mind blowing to think about like all the different levels you're thinking about in a single scene. Uh, and I also like, you know, like I said, the live action stuff. I like seeing Donald Glover as the Prowler. Yes. Yeah. He's like, it's it's rude to stare. <laughs> rude to stare
2: later on. <laughs> later on when they're like, boo. And you can see him in his little cell again. Boo. <laughs> I also like little descriptions like, oh, what was it? Um, A really interesting craven, a really boring rhino.
1: <laughs> really boring <just> rhino. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, it was good.
0: Well, and I also liked um, again the subtle details. The uh, when they he's explaining the multiverse or showing the multiverse is the same uh, diagram as in Loki that they that they showed before about how the multiverse unfolds and, and uh, changes. So, oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, it's the same thread that when they when at the end of Loki season two, oh, no season one, sorry, at the end of season one when they broke the multiverse, the way it spirals out is the same way that they were showing. Marvel. Oh, that's
2: right. Yep, yep. It surely is. Yeah. Now that you mention it, yep. <laughs> yeah.
0: And, uh, and I'm assuming uh, by Miguel's throwaway comment that he had to deal with Doctor Strange's little uh, <laughs> mishap in the, yeah. way, in the way home.
1: Probably do, yeah. yes. Definitely.
2: Yeah, no, I do. I, I, I like that. I like how abrasive he is, right? Like, when uh, when Vulture says something, like, what are you guys talking about? Shut up, Calente. Like, Caliente. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, 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 I like that, especially because it plays in such stark contrast to everybody else. Like, it's cool when he shows up. he's so badass when he shows up, right like even the way that he like streaks in and you see Gwen's face and it's 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 almost like lit up by his cape right that sort of like neon red slash orange. Um, and he is he he does look badass but I liked it in this movie there's no one badass. like no. they all have different things they do that make them look badass because like he has that moment. But then when like Spider Woman, Jess Drew comes through and like hits Vulture with her like motorcycle and drills <laughs> the wheel and then like just pops some donuts, and then it turns out she's pregnant. And the mm-hmm. line, the actor is, um, I think her name is Issa Rae. Yes, and yeah. she's like, we don't know the sex yet. My husband wants it to be a surprise. He's he's corny that way. But so hot. Like it just <laughs> the the humor again is good. It's a different style of humor. Um, like when she says, you know, why, why not her? Is it because she called you dark Garfield? Um, (laughs) like the way, the style in which she functions is badass, Right. And we see it from Gwen too, when she like, when she kicks around the vulture and then when she almost single-handedly stops that helicopter, um, Mm -hmm. it's so cool that they're all, they're all so strong and cool, but in their own way. So there's no, like, I don't feel like there's any sort of hierarchy.
0: No, no, I, I, yeah. And I, am glad you brought up, um, Jessica drew. Cause I was going to bring up, bring her up too. I also like Gwen's a uh, reaction when she sees her do all that stuff with the bike and everything. And she's like, can you adopt me? She's like, uh, I mean, what am I saying?
2: Yeah, no, I, I do. I like that. <laughs> hey, Will you adopt me? What, what? Oh
0: uh, yeah. I mean, they, they, yeah, I, I agree. There's no one badass, and there isn't there, there, there isn't a necessarily a hierarchy. It just seems like there are different teams of spider people working together to, to put the multiverse back together or to maintain mm-hmm. the status quo. Um, in yeah. these things so because we saw the whole team of spider people jump in um after, right yeah Mumbaten to go down into i guess resolve the spot thing hopefully i mean that's what they seem to be doing so and how cool
2: it's to me it's so the journey that miles and spot take together is so great i love that it starts with miles like laughing at him doing his usual spidey quips and like you know uh, just basically, like, picking up his cell phone, interrupting the fight, doing what Spider-Man would do, um, and realizing his error. But I like how Spot becomes something very serious and, like, his voice gets all distorted. The change from black spots on white to white spots on black is
1: so mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. right.
0: I mean, they elevate... I mean, Joe, I mean... Because I, I this is the first time I've encountered this villain. I'm assuming the writers have taken this villain to a whole new level as compared to the comics,
1: right? Yes. Yeah, he was... I, if I'm not mistaken. I think he might have been in the original Spider-Man cartoon back in the '90s. Uh, you know, the, uh, the, the was it about 1994. That Spider-Man cartoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I don't remember
0: movie. he was in it, but I do. That cartoon obviously is a yeah. is a is a touch point. Which I'm surprised we didn't see that Spider-Man show up at some point, considering we no, saw we the did we? No. we saw the Spider-Man from Spider-Man I... Unlimited and um, and the other Spider-Man too. I don't know.
2: I, it's it's possible he didn't get like a moment moment, but I'm guessing he's in there somewhere because there's so many Spider-Man yeah. that like I'm guessing he's somewhere. Yeah,
0: yeah I would think like, uh, I mean, I think they've given, yeah, he's probably back. I, yeah, I would have to stop and watch it or maybe, you know, again, they, they, they were thinking in mind with the part two. So maybe there's other spider, famous spider people in pop culture they're thinking of giving a little bit more time to in the sequel. Possibly, um, yeah. We, we, we,
1: they, we did get a few bars of the original Spider-Man theme, right? In this film, at one point, did we not? Yes, I
0: thought, yeah. Yeah, isn't that when the? Um, I think that's. Isn't that when the Ditko Spider-Man is swinging through, and he's like, I "Yeah, I think yeah, so." Yeah, yeah. yeah
1: exactly. <laughs> I appreciated that. Yes, yeah. it's one my favorite animated theme of all time.
0: Yeah, I, I this this movie is, you know, Chris, it is as amazing as you as you said it was. I'm um, I, I am willing to wait, and we're going to have to wait anyway to mm-hmm. see this level. So I'm curious. I mean, I'll be curious to see where they go with it. I I like, you know, Chris. You seem very. uh, I'm not saying no. I'm saying like, you know, that the alternate Miles that we meet, who's the prowler, is a villain. I wonder if seeing the death of. I wonder if that'll turn Miguel around because if if the loss of his dad turns Miles into a villain, maybe that'll be the softening of that canon. Oh, you know, I
2: hadn't even considered that possibility. But yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's a really good point. I haven't even considered that as a possibility. But like, yeah, if he sees it that it bec- that it turns him into the prowler um and what that could mean he might realize oh it'll do more damage if i if i let this thing happen yeah 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 no i like that i like that a lot james i think i think there are a lot of different ways it could go i think um part of why i trust them the way that i do is that like how great is it like the 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 twists that they have i think are just so so freaking impressive um, that Miles... And, like, it all makes sense. It was set up from the first movie. But, like, when we learn how um, how he created the spot and he couldn't understand it at first, but he absolutely created the spot. The guy he hit with a bagel, I'm like... It was the first couple of times I watched the movie, I didn't notice, but I think it was, like, the fourth viewing that I said to Christina, oh, look, when he throws the bagel, he actually hits some guy with it. Um, <laughs> so to have that come into play is, it, is to me, funny. But then also... Um, of course he wasn't supposed to be Spider-Man, right? Like, we we already had all the information we needed to know that he's not supposed to be Spider-Man. Um, so that little twist was, was I thought, great. The um, the twist that uh, it turns out Miles did know what he was doing and then trying to get home. And then the twist that, like, he didn't get home because, of course, he didn't get home. It was checking the DNA from the spider, not his DNA, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So all of that stuff, and then of course the twist, like he is, he's the prowler in this in this universe that has no Spider-Man. Yeah, it all just really, it, it blew my mind how clean it all came together. And so there are, I think, a lot of different directions in which they could go. And I'll be very curious to see what that looks like, because I, I honestly have no idea how you resolve all of this in a single movie. You know, I just don't know how you do it.
0: Well, maybe. Oh, well, I was going to say, Chris. Watching some YouTube videos after this, they they must have this plan or some idea since the first movie because um, they pointed out someone like pulled a scene from the scene where Miles gets bitten and the forty two spider in that scene glitches. Oh, so oh, that's know,
1: right.
0: That's so right. You read, that's so, I mean. you, so you know it's from an alternate reality from the very first. I mean, they don't explain it until this movie, but they they must have had some seeds that they were going to hopefully be get the opportunity to continue the story. So they they put that in there already, but um. Yeah, I wonder, I don't know how they're going to resolve all this. I mean, because uh, the other thing is like, I i mean, I don't see it resolving, at least in a way like, I don't know how you resolve that issue. Like we just, we started this whole podcast about like, if you know someone's going to die, how you let that happen, unless they somehow just decide not to regulate the multiverse. I don't know. That's like, it's such a big topic. I don't know how you work I mean, I trust them to find it, but I don't, I don't know how you find that and right. also do it in one movie.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll I mean, movie that's two and a half hours long. <laughs> but,
2: well, that's what it'll be, right? Because that's yeah. what this one was. Yeah, um, exactly. So I think, I th- yeah, I just, I think there's a lot of, there are a lot of ways this can go, um, and it, it's possible that like they have set themselves up to fail. That's definitely a possibility, you know, simply because there's so much at stake um, that maybe they did set up too much. I I don't think they have. I think they have a plan coming into this. I think that they've had at least some plan after the first movie. Um so I think there there're probably a lot of good ideas out there and I'm I'm not too worried about how it ends. I'm very curious as to how it ends, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I'm curious how it ends too. But I mean, I think it's like um I'm not saying we are doing this here, but I think, you know, we've kind of run into this situation with pop culture movies. Of all types, where the next one in the line of a sequel or the next one in the line of a series has to be—I wouldn't say bet like better than the previous one. Like it's sort of like you know, Endgame and, and Infinity War. And I'm trying to find a really example, but in, let's say Endgame and Infinity War are amazing movies, but so is Avengers, but they're amazing on different levels. So, like if the next like part of this is like Avengers level, and maybe not Endgame level. I don't know if my analogy is making sense, but. Yeah if it's still just a good movie, but necessarily better than this movie, I don't know if I'm fully disappointed, um, you know, cause it's still good storytelling. It just, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm making any sense to you too, but no, uh, I think, I think I follow, you know, like I, I just want it to be a good movie. Um, I would be, I will love it if it's as good or better than this movie, but I hope I just want the storytelling to make sense. Like, I guess what I'm saying is I want the storytelling to make sense yeah. and to resolve in a way in which is, is in line with the writing they've shown us so far and not convenient writing because right. you know i don't like to use the word lazy writing as we've discussed we've all discussed that mm-hmm. i don't i don't think whatever they're putting out to us is not going to be lazy but you know maybe this is you know when you see a resolution sometimes you've already pulled out all the tricks and now it's time to put like the tricks like see where all those tricks like land in the end
1: yeah and, and you can do this in a couple of ways you know sequels you know they always hollywood uh, you know make it bigger and better than the last one I was, we were talking about that off 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 uh, line before James with the Barbie movie, right? You know, are they just gonna go ahead and just make more uh, movies about Mattel toys and not learn from the uh what the movie was really about. So, you know, I think there's there's gonna be I would hope anyway, there's gonna be see- there's gonna be scenes in the next one of uh, of redemption. Obviously Miguel O'Hara needs to be redeemed, and so does Prowler Spider Man, Prow- Prowler Miles in his universe. So I you know, you can you can you can resolve these gigantic multiversal problems by, resol- by actually resolving personal problems and, and uh, human problems. And maybe that's what, you know, like you said, like you said before, you know, maybe they realize at some point we don't need to control the quote-unquote multiverse anymore. Just let humanity be humanity. And, and uh, when I think of Spider-Man, I, I, I put him in the same category with Superman that, you know, they will go to any lengths to save just one person. And I think, I think Miles is going to save Pro Miles. He's going to turn him, Yeah.
0: You know. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure he's going to try.
1: Yeah. I, he's but, definitely going to try because that's who he is. And yeah. I would hope he succeeds. You know. That's what I want to see. One of the things I want to see in the next film
0: yeah i mean it's 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 interesting like you know because we're all thinking in hypothetical now we're in the hypothetical portion of yeah. the podcast well, where like you know okay. we could throw anything out you know like i don't know like do i like the idea that he re- would redeem his evil self do i like more the idea that his evil self is his evil self i don't know it's also sort of like do we want you know miguel to be redeemed i mean i guess the the way the story is going is that miguel has to find some type of redemption or peace with what he's done um Mm -hmm. i don't i don't
2: know i i i you're right we are thinking in hypotheticals i like that there are instead of one villain there are multiple villains Mm -hmm. or at least um obstacles right and i think that's really good because it allows us to to explore some really interesting space because maybe there is one redemption arc maybe there are two maybe there are zero and i i could be here for literally all of that because i was talking to a friend who she was saying, I- I'm kind of tired of villains who aren't villains. Like, I'm kind of tired of some of that. Not because it's not a valid way to tell a story, but because I feel like it gets it gets overused. And I'm like, I can absolutely appreciate that. You know, mm-hmm. I can totally appreciate that it gets overused um, and that maybe we're tired of that. Maybe we just straight up want someone who, when, um, uh, when trying to convince him that, you know, what he's doing is wrong and he shouldn't do it, he's like, screw you, I don't care. I there's something to be said, I think, about the the conviction that Miles is showing as a hero. He's also going to show as a
0: villain. Yes. Yeah, that's a very good point, Chris. Yes.
2: You know, he's being he he wants so badly to fit in uh, with the spider society, but he but he's not willing, despite how badly he wants to be with his friends and all of his friends are doing this intervention, um, despite how badly he wants to do that. He is not willing to sacrifice his father, not even at the risk of an entire universe, because he's decided already, I'm going to do both. This is what mm-hmm. Spider-Man does. He does both, right? So I have to wonder if Prowler Miles shares those same convictions of, I don't care what you tell me. Like, I know myself. I know my priorities. This is a thing I'm doing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that very Which is, point, yeah. That was my point also, what you were saying, Chris, like when we brought it up. like uh, The high evolutionary... <laughs> Is a bad guy right. and he does bad mm-hmm. things and it's refreshing because like to your point, through your conversation with your friend, like it is, it is a little bit of a trope these days. Like I think to make the villain always sympathetic with the audience. I mean, in the real world, there are people who are doing bad things and they're not, they're not sympathetic. <laughs> like, right. you, you really know, crazy. so, and not every villain just because they're cool or because the audience likes them needs to be, needs to have this window to turn them into a hero.
2: Right. I mean, right. Absolutely agree with that. We don't always need that. And so I'll be curious to see what happens. I think one of the other things that's really interesting that might maybe give us some idea of redemption versus doubling down um, might be the score. Because the score and the soundtrack to me are absolutely bonkers. Um, the The fact that everybody sort of has their different theme, what those themes sound like, like Miguel's theme versus Gwen's theme, versus Miles' theme, which then gets corrupted when it's Prowler Miles. Like, if you go back and you listen, it's Miles' theme, but with a twist. It's just, it's all so, it's all so, so well done. All the music really, really helps tell the story. I think much like, you know, Joe, you said, you could you could turn off all the sound and watch the movie and... um. <coughs> And because of the animation and the visual storytelling and the cinematography, you can, you can still follow the story. Um, I think there's something about that to the the score as well.
0: Yeah, I agree. I'm glad you brought that up, Chris, because I, I not thought to mention the music and the music is a huge part of this as well. Um, I think it's integrated so well. And it's such an experience that you may not like always catch the, the musical changes and stuff or what they're doing musically because it all works together with what's on screen, but you're absolutely right about the music. And it's a, uh, it's a huge part of this movie and um, is sort of like the, the second, like it, I wouldn't say a secondary, it's just a component that makes everything work together. And it does give you cues about what's happening with the characters that you're seeing on screen. Yeah.
1: Yes, definitely. I mean, you start, when I think of uh, musical cues, I think of the original Star Trek series. You you could be out of the room and you knew what was going on by just the, uh, the music uh, in that particular scene. Oh, Kirk's fighting the Gorn <laughs> or, uh, or Kirk is, um, uh seducing uh you know uh, another alien woman you know by the music yeah, you know what was going on visual storytelling oral storytelling uh yeah it's it's all all great movies have great scores yeah
2: great yeah, yeah yeah it's just it's just part of the part of the journey and and again i just i'm so i'm so blown away by how it manages to hit how it manages to hit every single for me every single mark um It is, it's just, it's a complete film and it's not like, you know, sometimes you go, yeah, that was good for an animated flick. And I think we've, in a lot of ways, we've moved away from that. Animation is so advanced and it's so commonplace and um, there's so many different types of it that I, I don't feel like I hear that qualifier as frequently as I used to. But by the same token, like I, this, this movie requires, I think, so much more attention than, than quote,
0: just an animated flick. yeah. No, I, I agree, and I mean to its credit, though it is the longest uh, American-made animated movie. I was just going to ask that question. It is okay. Yes. Okay, thanks.
1: Yes. Right, James.
0: It's the longest animated movie, so uh, um, it has that going for it. And, and but I, I would say, like it's a two, it's two hours and twenty minutes long, but it didn't feel like that. No, at least not to me. At all. I mean, I didn't feel like I was like I didn't feel there was any <clears throat> slow parts. <laughs> no. No, when
1: when I was watching it um, yesterday, I forgot that Chris had told us that it was continued, and so you know, I stopped it for a second. Uh, you know, probably to go in the bathroom or something, and I came back and I saw the timestamp on the bottom. Said, Wait minute, how are they going to resolve this in, with only eight minutes left?
2: <laughs> right, right.
1: You know, and, and then, and, and, and I still didn't remember it was continued. <laughs> so I was happy that it was because they, you know, back in the day they would have resolved it for the TV show. Of course they would have resolved it in eight minutes, and it would have been it would have been contrived. But um, no, this is fine. I don't, you know, it's, uh, I, I haven't felt this way about a continued film since The Empire Strikes Back. You know, wow! I, I wasn't. I, and nice. you know that is my favorite. And then why? How could Joe? How could that be your favorite sci-fi film? But it is. And and but when I walked out of the theater in 1980, I was I I was fulfilled. I this is one of the greatest movies I've ever seen, and I can wait three years to see what happens.
2: Yep. Yeah, That's exactly and, you know, how I feel.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, this this gave me that. This gave me that feeling. Yes, it did.
0: Well, um, listening audience, if we, uh, haven't, if you're listening to this, you have hopefully watched it because, uh, we spoiled everything everything, or most things at least. Um, but if for some reason you decide to listen to this and, and not watch it, I hope you go back and watch it and, (laughs) and enjoy it. And, uh, maybe our, our commentary has given you, uh, some things to look for and you'll see deeper meanings in these things when you watch it, if you've listened to this first, but, uh, but if not, it's also worth the second viewing. At some point, I'm going to rewatch this as well um, when it becomes available on whatever a, service it, it becomes available on. Is a DVD available yet? Yeah. I don't know.
2: I didn't think to look into it.
0: I think it is. I think it is. I think I, I have, saw I it.
1: This. Just, you know,
0: yeah, I think I saw it there. at Walmart. They got like the 5K or HD. Yeah, I think I think it's out there. So yeah, so
1: I will be purchasing one.
0: Yeah, so, um, so audience, you know, if you haven't, uh, go watch it. If you have, go watch it again. Uh, that'll be our recommendation, I think, for this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. And uh, and we will all anxiously be waiting for news on when the next one will be coming, which uh, I, I'm kind of in line with Chris. I don't see next year as being their no, goalpost. I so, so. Uh, no, I can't imagine. Maybe closer to Joe's with the uh, three years in between Star Wars movies. Maybe that's yeah. a, a closer goalpost to aim for. So, um, But... Um, Thank you for listening to this episode. If you have seen this movie and you have your own thoughts or things that we missed or things that we touched upon, you have different thoughts about it. We'd like to hear your your comments in the Facebook group with this post. So please put them there. Um, But otherwise I could not uh, do this deep dive into the spider verse without my two other hosts. So thank you, Joe.
1: You're welcome, James. This is a great trip into the uh, friendly neighborhood.
0: Yes, and uh, Chris, thank you for, for hyping this movie and getting us to watch it so quickly that we could do this episode.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. Again, like, uh, like Joe said, I was... You know, it was great. Uh, I'm glad we did it. I... um Oh, I love it. So I, I'm really grateful you guys were like, ah, yeah, let's uh let's get moving on this. That was great.
0: Yeah, audience, I would just like you know we recorded this episode, we had another thing in mind, and then I started watching this movie and I'm like, no, 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 no. We're gonna <laughs> 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 I wasn't I wasn't even done with the movie when I messaged you, Chris. I was like, We're we're gonna oh, do I didn't I know do... that. And I was like I was like an hour and twenty minutes into it. And I'm like, I'm gonna get Joe and he's available. We're just, we're gonna scrap the other thing and just go right into this. So yes, <laughs> so, love,
2: uh, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it
0: so uh but audience, we'll do that other topic at some point and we're am going to tell you about it but just to know how how uh immediately i changed my mind and tone and, and chris was all on board he was uh he was all on board so oh yeah
2: no it's, it wasn't it wasn't a difficult sell for me that's for sure <laughs> yeah,
0: so and joe was all on board too he was uh, oh, yeah. t- took a break from his sports watching which is out 24 7 uh 365 days a year because that's of true. hockey thanks to chris um yeah. so so uh, so audience uh, that that should be enough also to say you should go out and watch this but um Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you on the next episode.